0: So we're continuing on in our study. So we, this is our Bible Institute time. In case you don't know, we have a Bible Institute. And as of this morning, we had 945 students from all over the world. Uh, it's it's growing. It seems to be growing faster now than it did. So uh, that's a good thing. And um, they're all over the world. They're graduating all over the world. It's kind of fun to be involved from this little place, involved in the ministries of people all over the world. I th- think that we're blessed to be able to do that. You are certainly available. Uh, it's available to you all as well. If you would like to earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, you can take these courses that we're doing now. And I, I roll everything on the weekends into courses as well. And then there's courses from all over, a great um, wide variety of, of uh, institutions that uh, allow us to use our courses. And it's all free, which is the best thing, because there's not a whole lot of free uh, free associates and bachelor's degrees going on there. And you can earn one if you want. Or you, know, or you can just hang out and take the courses uh, just to learn or however you want to do it. It's all good, but we're in this course and um, we got this weekend next week and then we'll wrap up second Kings, which is what we've been talking about. Uh, I told you, you know, the Kings are very interesting. Um, and when we started this study, I gave you a um, list of all the Kings, both in the in the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And um, there's like 20 in one and 19 in the other. Most of them were bad Kings, the evil Kings. Um, but in the story, where a lot of people get lost reading the kings is they don't realize that the story's bouncing back and forth between the kingdoms. And so it's, it's kind of hard to track. But once you realize that's what's going on, it's a little easier to follow what's happening. And um, it gives great history because the, the prophets, I gave you a list of the prophets, are all operating in, in the midst of these, most of this kingdom, the, the different kings that are going on. And so it's kind of neat to know who's in there because the next chunk of the Old Testament is all all the prophetic books, and all of that. So um, we'll touch on some of that. So we've been um, running now with a divided kingdom in Israel since about 930 BC. Remember, right after Solomon, the kingdom split into the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, um, and then uh, Israel went was the kingdom of israel was bad from the beginning and stayed that way never a good king in israel uh, the only good kings that did pop through pop through judah cuz that was going to be the line of jesus and not all of them were good there was about i think six of them they considered that did more good than evil um but now we're we're a couple hundred years past that um we're in 2nd kings 17 today and that uh, chronolo- chronologically it's 722 BC so um, we've we've come quite a ways in our journey in the kingdom, about you know 300 years or so of history, and uh, the kingdom is about to be changed again, because the kingdom of Israel is going to be taken captive and exiled out of there, and all that will remain for another couple next couple hundred years is the kingdom of Judah. So let's start to read that. Second King seventeen six. I'm going to read chunks tonight because I, I think it's the best way to get through kings is, uh, is that you hang with me as I read and uh, you'll, you'll get it that way. Sometimes it's a little harder to do by yourself. Verse 6, in the ninth year of Hosea, the king, uh, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala, in Gozan on the Harbor River, on the Haber River, pardon me, and in the towns of the Medes. So, um, this, this happened in uh, 722 B.C. I'm about to sneeze. Fortunately, I was able to get the microphone off. I had a little advance warning. That's good. So, so, that's when it happens. The, so, the king of Assyria comes, and he comes to um, Samaria, which is where the kingdom of Israel was, and he takes them into exile. Now, the Assyrians and, and quite a few of the other nations at that point in time when they conquered a, um, a territory or another kingdom or whatever, they didn't put all the people to death. What they would do is they'd take them all, all out of there and take them to another place and resettle them in another place. They, they felt like that way they could control what was going on. And then they'd bring people that they'd captured from other places and they'd resettle them in that area. Uh, That's just how the Assyrians did it. So it's kind of interesting. They just moved. They just shifted everybody around. And so that's what happened. Here's the reason why. Verse 7 and following. All this took place. This happened because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them. As well as the practices that kings of Israel had introduced. Remember it says they, they worshipped other it's little g-gods there. We've had that discussion. And if you remember the, um, when we talked about the, the, just the power of the exodus. And how God had moved on his people. Not based on anything that they had done. Because they were, they were a mess even then. But by his grace he moved. He rescued them delivered them mightily from the the slavery and the bondage they were in to the Egyptians, brought them out, brought them to a promised land, said, but listen, there's the deal, you know, I want to be in relationship with you. And and, um, they said they would, and then they didn't. And now this has gone on for hundreds of years, and finally to the point where, in God's wisdom and sovereignty, this was what was going to help eventually restore the folks, is off they would go into exile. Um, The Israelites, verse 9, The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. And you can remember, people thought, have trouble dealing with in the Old Testament. God told them to go in there and wipe out um, that stuff. Because he knew this would infect them, and it did in every way. They set up sacred stones, verse 10. I wrote that already verse 11 at every high place. They burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered you you through my servants, the prophets, but they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their fathers uh, and the warnings he had given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. And they did the things the Lord had forbidden them to do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God. And made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sorcery and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. So, um, this after hundreds of years of forbearance and patience to get his people to, and they just refused to repent. Their hearts were so hardened, they wouldn't go there. Now, in 2 Kings 17, it, it continues on. In verse 24, and it starts talking about this resettling that I mentioned earlier, and this is why um, what, what I'm about to read you. Do you remember a couple of Sundays ago? I think it was a couple of Sundays ago. It could have been last Sunday. I don't know. They kind of they kind of blend together. Um, I said how the the people of Israel, the scripture basically says they hated the Samaritans. Do you Remember that? And we were talking about the woman at the well who was a Samaritan woman, and how Jesus went through. Um, be, to meet with this woman, and and the, the Jewish folks would normally go around Samaria. They didn't like them. Well, the reason they didn't like them, the Samaritans was—it's kind of hypocritical. Uh, the Samaritans had a um, a different sort of blend of what they believed. Some of it was about the God of Israel, and a lot of other stuff. Israel had that themselves, but that's what was going on. So, Second uh, King seventeen twenty-four through thirty-three. Here's what happens: the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, uh, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. So you see what they took, the Israelites, put them in these other lands, and brought these other people they'd captured, and bring them into Samaria. They took over Samaria, uh, and lived in in its towns. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord, so he sent lions among them, and they killed some of the people. And it was reported to the king of Assyria, the people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lions among them who are killing them off because the people do not know what he requires. So remember now, this is their, the way they thought everything was that, that um, these people that uh, all worship these false gods that if they could us to figure out what this false God wanted, then everything would be okay. Um, they, they didn't know the true God. And so... Um, these lions come up out of nowhere who knows what's going on with the lions but they come up and they start to eat people which is causing a problem because they're like could you settle us somewhere else you would you might say that yourself right if somebody had said here you're going to live over here now it's going to be great except for the lions and uh, I have a light flickering I know I can see that's getting you it's okay I got to change it but I'm just going to power through it right now okay so So what the king of Assyria decided to do was, oh, it must be an issue with the little G-God over there, because they didn't believe in the big G-God. So we'll take somebody that knows that area, and we're going to send them back over there. So the king of Assyria gives this order, have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria go back to live there and teach the people what the God of the land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel and taught them how to worship the Lord. Nevertheless, each national group made its own gods, little g, in the several towns where they settled and set them up in the shrines the people of Samaria had made at the high places. The men from Babylon made uh, uh, Sukkoth Benoth, the men from Kutha made Nergal, and the men from Hamath made Ashima, the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire as sacrifices to Adremelech and Anemelech. Everybody knows the and an And you know what song just popped in my mind, right? We, we don't bum away. A wimalek, a Thank you. I had to get that out or I couldn't continue. Anemelech never mind. So verse twelve, they worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines. Of the high places, they worship the Lord, but they also serve their own God in accordance with the customs and nations from which they had been brought. So, here's what that, that's how the Samaritans came to be. Back when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, they're this mixture of all these different things. And at that point in time, you had the Pharisees in there who were really trying to get people to live, but in the wrong way. Um, But they were trying to preserve Torah. Remember, I told you that the Levites, um, or the Pharisees, had a good start. Because what they were trying to do was protect Torah, uh, the, the, what they had, from being corrupted. But then they made it all about following laws, and that's where they went off. But, but this is the reason why they had nothing to do with the Samaritans, because the Samaritans had all these practices mixed in with some sort of worship with God. That's how the Samaritan woman knew about the Lord. Okay? So that's kind of the issue there, which I think is very interesting. Verse 18, uh, chapter 18. Now we're at 715 B.C. And Hezekiah is going to become king in Judah, and Hezekiah is a good king. Second Kings eighteen one. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. began to reign He was twenty five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem twenty nine years. His mother name was uh, his mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David. Had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not uh, cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its uh, territory. So finally, breath of fresh air, king who will follow after the Lord, is in Judah. But uh, the king of Assyria is not happy with that. Verse 17, the king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. And they called for the king. And Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to them. The field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah... This is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all depend on him. If you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you're depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without sword from the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against his country and destroy it. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. So you you see, uh, they've come to torment the people in Judah, right? By speaking in their language so they could hear what was going on and they were claiming that God had actually sent them to um, overtake them and to quit trusting in Hezekiah, the good king who had done all these good things and torn down the high places and yet the people were sort of used to worshipping at the high places, false gods, and now they're hearing this stuff and it's starting to get to the people uh, of what's going on. And um, remember the The people. So at this point in time, normally what an invading army would do, the the way warfare works still at this point in time, was they would just lay hold of, they would take, they would surround the city and cut off everything from going in and out. They'd starve people out. That's what they'd do. And uh, because you couldn't get stuff in, you couldn't get stuff out, and they would just, eventually, everybody would die inside. All right. So the commander replied, 27, Was it only to your master... Uh, and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the men sitting on the wall, who like you will have to eat their own filth and drink their own urine. Then, uh, you get it now, that's what they would be reduced to. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own sister. And until I, sister, and until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honeys. Choose life and not death. Remember, the Syrians too, they, they would resettle people. That's how, they, that's how they captured and divided. So he's making them a promise. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he's misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the little g-god of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the little g-gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the little g-gods of, uh, Sepharvaim, Hina, and Eva? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the little g-gods of these countries has been able to save this land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply, because the king had commanded, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. So, that sets the stage. Here's what keeps going on. This is good stuff. Chapter 19, verse 1. When Hezekiah, King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priest, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Emma. So here we get introduced to Isaiah. Most of you have heard of the prophet Isaiah, yes? Uh, uh, Who was one of our favorite prophets, mostly because he told us a lot about Jesus coming in. But uh, they told him so now you got him in context of history. That helps me. Um... And so that's why I'm letting you know that. It it helps me to know what's going on in the kings and then knowing where the prophets fit historically into what's happening so that when I read what the prophets are saying, it starts to make sense to me in relationship to the history of Israel and everything that's going on and where the people are and what's happening at that point in time. That's why I'm reading you this story today. This is what uh, they told him. This is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the point of birth and there's no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. These words, with which the underlings of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me, Listen, I'm going to put such a spirit in him and when he hears a certain report, he'll return to his own country and they'll have him cut down with a sword. And when the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. So sure enough, the, the king gets tired of that whole deal, gets a false report, everybody pulls out for the time being. Verse 23. Now we're at about 681 B.C. Uh, 2 Kings 19.32 Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. That's a, that, That's a good angel to have on your side when the people got up the next morning they were all the dead bodies so Sennacherib king of Assyria broke camp and withdrew he returned to Nineveh and stayed there and one day while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch his sons Adrammelech and Sherazar cut him down with a sword remember the prophet Isaiah said and they escaped to the land of Ararat and Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. So, exactly what Isaiah said would happen happens. It's fulfilled prophecy there in that whole process. Chapter 20, Hezekiah gets sick. This is interesting too, verse 1, because of what happens. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, back, Uh, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die, you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears, I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, that I will go to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? There's an... Anytime you see third day things in the Scripture, it's it's on, especially in the Old Testament. There's something going on. There's so there's a lot of, just so you know, when you're reading the Old Testament, there are countless numbers of things that happen on the third day. It's all in preparation for getting everybody used to a big event on the third day. Remember what that is, right? The main event. Okay. Uh, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what He promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? So. I don't know if you are this is pretty cool cuz he does something with time a few times uh and it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps I've never understood how that could be a simple but nonetheless <sighs> I don't know how that's simple rather have it go back 10 steps you know and so the as a, you know you got steps castating right and where the position of the sun would cast shadow on the steps and and so you could almost, you know in certain places you could tell time by that and so he's basically saying Take time backwards. Um, and then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back ten steps. Uh, it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So uh, there's, a, there's a time and space there where God reverses time for a little bit in part of this process. So that's kind of that. Now, the next thing that I have on there, I'm just going to do this quickly. Um, I gave you dates of um, some of the other prophets. And what's going on, just so as you read them, Nahum's going to come in 6.50. You'll see him, Zephaniah in 6.40. Jeremiah, pretty good guy. He has a good run, 6.27 to 5.80 B.C. Habakkuk, I just like saying his name, 6.09. Daniel, you guys have heard about him. He wrote in captivity. Ezekiel, same thing. Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Malachi is sort of the last of... The Old Testament prophets until John the Baptist, who was a type of the Old Testament prophet who came and said Jesus was coming. So that's what's happening. That's good for that. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. We got one more little chunk of this we're going to do in the Kings next week, and then we'll be ready to go somewhere uh, with a new course. So um, thanks for watching. Bye. Okay, prayer request. You pass them up to me. I will pray for you. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.